It's his second time through and he hasn't even taken a hit yet. He's a wizard. Do you realize how many outside systems I've gone into? How many programs I've appropriated? You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. I love the power glove. It's so bad. Just keep your power gloves off her, pal, huh? Damage report! Guidance system out. Auxiliary steering out. Divert! She won't answer the helm. What do we do? We die. Welcome to the Gamers Must Die podcast. I'm your host, Ben Malahan, here with Alex Moreau and Jared Riley. How's it Hello. going, y'all? So this week we have a variety of uh, news items to talk about, so let's jump straight into some gaming news. GameStop has finally uh, launched their retro game like online store that we talked about a couple months back. So you can now buy NES, SNES, uh, Dreamcast, PS1, etc. games from GameStop online. <laughs> Ooh, how apparently, exciting. Apparently in stores too, but I don't know if that's in very many places yet. I thought you had to like request it at a store and then they would send it in. Oh, okay. Was that what it was? Something like that. that at least that's sense. what we originally read. I, I just don't imagine them devoting much shell space to you know PS1 games. Yeah, no, it's like a giant warehouse out in the middle of nowhere. Gotcha. Um, so their list of games is really not that... I mean, it's really limited. Is it? Yeah, I mean... That's not entirely surprising. No, it's not surprising at all. I'm just Actually, what's surprising is, is that they launched the service at all. I'm going to be interested to see how they do. Um, the prices aren't really any different than what you can find on you know, Amazon or the other the big used game sites, which I think are Lukey Games and JJ Games. Mm-hmm. Prices are about equivalent. And even for the games they have listed, the ones that are available are actually available out of the ones that are listed. I mean, they're few and far between. Like, there might be like four Dreamcast games you can order right now. I wow. feel like at this point, they're just trying to like squeeze water out of a rock, you know? Like, there's just <laughs> people who wanted to ditch those games, ditched them a long time ago. Yeah. Others, are, like, others are still hanging on to them. Or they've like fallen into some of these other businesses like Lukey Games or JJ Games. Right. So they're going to have some issues getting their hands on stock. And like we were talking about the first time this came up, it's just like that quality control is going to be such an issue for them too. Yeah. At least to see it being that way. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think that the era of people buying old games to play and like enjoy them has kind of passed. I feel like people are just buying them for the sake of buying them and yeah. to like just have them and like, stare at them fondly. Yeah, yeah not, it's, not, it's not, the collecting thing. Yeah, not like full on like, you know, collecting necessarily, but yeah, it is kind of like I want to have this game. Yeah. I saw um in Japan they're coming out with a, a system that plays pretty much every single old console game. Oh yeah, I saw that. I forget what it was called, but yeah. It looks kind of awesome. I actually kind Crazy. of want one. <laughs> They just um, have like seven different slots that you can insert games into, or so, yeah, the cartridges, yeah. just like all like the Sega Master System and Genesis and Super Nintendo. It's called like a Retro Wix or something. I forget what the name was. Um, so back to this GameStop thing, and like like I said, I think that era is over. People buy old games to play them for the most part. I mean, obviously people still do it, and we're kind of in an era now where people are waiting for remakes or or just re-releases. You know, Xbox Live Arcade, or you know. PSN get a ton of games, old console games that they do release. Pretty much. Or if you just really want to play those old games that badly, then you just like 
honestly, a lot of people just pirate a copy of it. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> they play it on like emulators and things like that. So right. it's like the people who are buying the tangible games are just the collectors. For example, um, one of the games, one of the top price games is Conker's Bad Fur Day for N64. <laughs> Priced at $79.99. And as we discussed last week on the podcast, there's that new retro uh, classics collection coming out. And Conker's Bad Fur Day is one of those games, and it's 30 bucks for the whole collection. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we're just not in an era, I think, where this is going to really take off for them. They're just like grasping at straws now. They're so concerned for their future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. Okay. So, Alex, do you want to go into our next story? Sure. Um, in a nutshell, PC gamers are getting pissed off because the Arkham Knight PC port is kind of buggy. Yeah, it's having like audio skipping issues and s- was slow and stuff. This just, of course, it's not really surprising because uh, this happens all the time with PC games now. Um, but, uh, you know, the console versions are fine. The company who developed it, Rocksteady? <laughs> I cannot tell you off the top of my head. Yeah, the company who developed uh, <laughs> Arkham Knight apparently had another company do the PC port. So they didn't oh, like, gotcha. do, the, do it themselves, which is common um, for these sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. I just, this story was funny for me to see because I always love seeing, you know, like the PC master race rage over stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Stupid console port. <laughs> <laughs> Developed this for the console first and PC second. <laughs> you know, these inferior games aren't working yeah. on my superior <laughs> computer. Right. Have you played those games? The Batman Arkham City games and stuff? Yeah. I played the first two. How do you like them? They're pretty fun, like yeah. um, that kind of brawly, like reaction time genre yeah. of games is it's like hit and miss for me. I more just wanted to play it to see how the characters were portrayed in it. Okay, so I might want to play it just to hear Mark Hamill's uh, Joker a little bit. Yeah. He, Mark Hamill does make a great <laughs> Joker. I don't know. I played the demo for the first one, which I know is different than the open world ones that came after it. Um, it was it seemed like a solid game. I just had no interest in it for whatever reason. <laughs> I just don't give a shit about Batman. Like yeah. ba- Batman comics, <laughs> it's really kind of based from the comics. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if it was based on like the Nolan universe, I probably would have been interested. Not, but... not. It's like a kind of influenced by it, just like the whole like dark, more realistic yeah. feel of it. Um, but personally, goofy ass monsters and shit. You're oh fighting. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well. The nice thing about these Batman games is that they kind of kept like the weird sci-fi element to their villains. Right. Like their villains have like ridiculously absurd powers. A lot of you know, modern like Batman comics and movies and things like that are kind of stripping the villains of their crazy powers. Uh-huh. So instead of like being a chick who controls plants with her mind and like can hypnotize people, Poison Ivy is just like a regular like, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Horticulturalist? Like eco-activist. <laughs> oh, just one of those crazy and, bitch like eco Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of um, comics and movies just portray her as like feminazi eco-warrior yeah. kind of thing. But gotcha. the these games... um have her retain her superpowers, which is really neat to me. Yeah. Um, I actually just really liked it for the villains. Batman is kind of boring in and of himself, but yeah. I really like a lot of the villains. Okay. I mean, they're obviously solid games. They're very popular. Yeah. Um, I just personally don't have much interest in them. So. Uh, okay, next story. Uh, I'll take this one. Zombie U, which was a uh, zombie game for the Wii U. I think it was a release title, or it came out shortly after release anyway. Yep, yep. Uh, and nobody really noticed it at the time. <laughs> yeah, like all five Wii U early adopters bought it. Anyway, it's probably coming to the PS4, Xbox One, and PC as a game just called Zombie. That's Z O M. Yeah, that's the big hint right yeah, there. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's basically Zombie without the U. So it's, it's probably the same game, just ported 
So I don't know. I was always interested in that game because it seemed to have some cool concepts. Like, you know, you play and then if you die, you start as a new character and you can go back and like your old characters, like there's a zombie. Yep. <laughs> no, it had a few interesting things going for it. I didn't really know much like anything about it when it first came out until um one of my friends just disappeared for a while. <laughs> like just didn't hang out with us or talk to us or do anything for like a few weeks. And I'm like, where the fuck is he? So uh, I went over to his house and I was like, hey, do you want to like come outside, go do something? He was just like, oh man, I'm in the middle of something right now. But, uh, and I just kept on poking him about it. I'm like, where the fuck have you been this past few weeks? Apparently he became like one of the world's top zombie U players. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that's like, that's the only real relationship that I have with this game is that I just know that it totally ruined my friend's life for like a couple months. <laughs> and it was just like, he was all excited. Like, I'm in the top 1% in the world. But I'm like, well, yeah, but that's like being in Ripley's Believe It or Not for shoving the most straws in your mouth. Like, nobody's, <laughs> nobody cares. You're not going to get a girlfriend over it or anything. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. In fact, Jared, this new sound clip you gave me. Get those nerds! 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 Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that... Actually, how does it play where it's competitive? Is it just like some sort of leaderboard for score or something? Or like I what... honestly have no yeah. idea. Okay. I know that <clears throat> there is like a leaderboard. There's some sort of point system, but yeah. I don't know what that would be. Gotcha. I'm kind uh, of over zombies. Oh, I've been over zombies for a while, but if, a long some, time. if something comes along like this as a good game, like a solid game. Um, that has zombies. That just happen to ha happens to have zombies. Or, or even if it's zombie-focused, that's fine, as long as it's a solid game. I just, I'm just tired of all the generic zombie crap. You know? yeah. I'm sick of zombies, ninjas, and bacon. I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking... I never want to hear about bacon again in my entire life. <laughs> no, thanks. Jesus. Okay, so next up in news, we have some quick-fire Nintendo news. So, Alex, do you want to take it? This is really exciting for me. Um, Nintendo might be bringing the smaller version of the new 3DS to the U.S. Why is that exciting? It's exciting for me just because I like the size of the smaller really? new 3DSs. Really? Yeah. They're way too and... small, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. You're um, wrong. Maybe that's just because I'm like clumsy as fuck, and I needed something small that I could put a giant case on Okay. to keep <laughs> I mean, it from shadowing within that two big. seconds. No. Huh? The XL isn't that big. It's. I don't know. I thought it was pretty big. At least when you have like a tiny-ass <laughs> purse that you're carrying all your shit yeah. around in, I don't even know if my XL will fit in my fanny pack. That's a deal breaker right there. Oh, but, your fanny um, pack. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Fanny this... It's like you put your phone in there, you put your game in there, you're good to go. Right, of course. Is this 1992 or something? We're not talking about my fanny pack <laughs> today, guys. I think we should. <laughs> Shit, that's some hipster shit right there. That's super like, literally, hipster. it goes on my hip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Are you put oh, on your hip? Fucking puns. You know, we need to have like a timeout area for, for puns on this podcast. Just go sit in the corner for a while, Alex. Okay. Put a dunce cap on her. Jesus. God. Okay, let's just move on. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sick now. I'm just sick. Let's move on to the next story. Oh, but just like okay, one fine. quick note. Fine, you can talk. It's not about the fanny pack. Um... <laughs> Alice is going to make me have to drink here. Yeah, I, oh, good call. <laughs> Just go for it. Yeah, okay. Um, another reason why I like the smaller 3DS is that it has exchangeable faceplates. So if you happen to be like me and you fuck up your game within like two seconds of taking it out of the box, like the first time I got a 3DS, the big fatty gray ones, I literally took it out of the box in the driveway, 
dropped it in the driveway and watched it skid on its face all the way down to the bottom of the driveway. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> like, if you are like that with your games, then um, an exchangeable faceplate can be a really big deal for you. <laughs> wow. You are clumsy. Good no. God. <laughs> she just took the 3DS. It's so big. <laughs> 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 like I just made that sound while I was yeah, dropping yeah. it, too. <laughs> wow. Still with all the ground. Yeah. Uh, the faceplates are a big thing because they have all these like custom face. I don't know why they did the faceplates only for the regular 3DS, new 3DS and not the XL. I know. But... It seems kind of bullshit. Yeah. Not that I would buy them because I hate stupid shit like that, like that. And the Amiibos just pissing me off, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll take this next one. Nintendo is apparently well aware of the demand for a straight-up Metroid game. Reggie, the president, said, quote, uh, Look, we know the fans want a straight Samus Aran game. Aran? Aran? Aaron? Aaron? Samus Aran? That's how I say I've it. always said Aran. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my eight-year-old self's pronunciation. Do it. Uh, we also know that the best way to launch a game like that is to surprise and delight them, to give them a launch date in an environment like this, let them play it versus what other companies do, which is to announce a project that you may not see for five, six years. It's just not the way we do things. Well, okay, what you did, and we discussed this last week, what you did is you showed a shitty multiplayer portion of the next Metroid game. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. You did exactly what you said you didn't want to do. Exactly. Like he says it like kind of a snob. Like he's just like, yeah. we're above other companies. That's not we're the not way. gonna show you a game yeah. that we're not gonna put out for like five or six years, which is also bullshit because Nintendo does that all the fucking time. Absolutely. Look at friggin' uh, Zelda U. I mean that got delayed. That's been delayed for a couple of years. Yep, and yep. And just the way that he says, um, in an environment like this and let them play it versus what other companies do, like let them play it. If this is only the tiniest piece of the game and it's not actually representative of what the real thing is going to be like, then why throw it out there for people to play yeah. it? Nobody is clamoring for goddamn Metroid multiplayer. Okay? <laughs> Nobody woke up there that's a week like, ago oh. and like wet themselves because they saw there's going to be some fucking Metroid multiplayer in their future. Nobody. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so it was yeah. really embarrassing. I had to change my sheets and... I just feel like they're really trying to like shoulder and elbow their way into the competitive multiplayer market yeah. more and they should just allow people to have their competitive multiplayer like smash brothers it's kind of like you know they didn't allow three. like official smash brothers tournaments for ages yeah but um now they're coming out with things like this new metroid game and splatoon and they're like we want to get in on this guys yeah the thing is like like you say smash brothers is huge and that could be like their big competitive thing they do exactly but they don't seem to be cashing in on that cow which is weird i mean nintendo's not gonna make any sense as we've discussed many times <laughs> okay uh do you want to run us through a little bit of nx news nintendo nx sure so um mr reginald <laughs> reggie says that the nx is going to be a home console okay so it's confirmed it's not like a handheld or something so regular home console mm-hmm <laughs> Um, Miyamoto said that the Wii U was priced too high originally. Yeah, he said this in relation to the talking about the NX, saying, "Oh yeah, and mm -hmm. the Wii U." We're by going the way. to look a little more modestly this time around. Yeah, it's easy to say from after mistakes. the fact. Yeah, like hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> At least they're think, like considering it, right? Instead of being like, "Fuck you guys, the price yeah. was great. You just didn't understand." Right. Um. Let me see. We also have a quote from Miyamoto. He says, I think, unfortunately, what ended up happening was that tablets themselves appeared in the marketplace and evolved very, very rapidly. And unfortunately, the Wii system launched at a time where the uniqueness of those features were perhaps not as strong as they were when we had first begun developing them. 
Which they, is they didn't see that coming. What year what did, the Wii U, did the Wii U come out? 2012, late 2012. Yeah, I'm pretty sure tablets were um, yeah. skyrocketing at that point. The third generation, <laughs> third generation iPad came out in February of that year, like ten months before. Good when lord! When did the first generation come out though? Because they've been working on Wii U forever, time. Right? Yeah, I know, like probably 2010. Yeah, I want to say. But you know, in 2010 or 2011, when they saw tablets catching on, they should have just been like, okay, well, either we're gonna do this right. Or we're gonna lose this little gimmick and make a real system, you know. They had plenty of time to. I'm just kind of uh, that's very interesting because it seems a little backwards, right? Like you think that with the prevalence of the tablets, it would only increase the popularity of the Wii U because everyone would be so familiar with like touch controls and shit like that. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just that they should have taken more from the tablets that are becoming popular at the time. Yeah, I just, you know, there's like you said, they're insulated, and so they, you know, they, apparently they just didn't take very many cues from what was going on in the market, you know, and see what everybody else was doing and adapt and you know build on that. Did they ever have focus groups or anything? I mean, this is a uh, major they do company. They have focus groups, but <laughs> I don't know. A lot of the ideas, a, a lot of the big decisions like this come out of uh, Kyoto, Japan, which is a weird, weird insulated place. A lot it's of an great entirely stuff different comes BC from over Kyoto. there. And the, the thing with Nintendo is that they're always trying to be innovative anyways. So yeah. it's like, even if their focus groups are like, I wish this system was more like this one. Yeah. They're just kind of like banking on being aside from the other console wars. You right. know what I'm saying? Like they want to make money from the outliers. Right. I feel like the last thing Nintendo released that actually paid attention to the market uh, was probably the 2DS because it didn't have the crappy 3D. And it didn't have a hinge on it, so little kids wouldn't break it. Yeah, no. 2DS so were, was sweet. So they were they were actually responding to the market with the 2DS. That's the last time they actually responded. I'd say the GameCube was probably the last thing. That... Oh, GameCube was horrible. No way. <laughs> GameCube was great. Were you like the GameCube? I uh, know I liked some of the games on there, but in terms of a you know a uh... of a technical prowess. Well, that and just the way it was marketed and ultimately failed. You know, they had the same power basically as the PS2 and Xbox, but they didn't. Uh... <clears throat> Didn't have any like third party support still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's true. This is weird. Anyway, well, they they did more than they do now, obviously. But all right, fuck Nintendo. I'm done talking about <laughs> Nintendo. Jesus. No, I, let's do it. We always end up talking about Nintendo for far too long. Because Nintendo is fucking interesting. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it might not be doing things well, but it's it's being interesting about it. <laughs> that is a very astute observation. Okay. Uh, next up. Gamers must die. So this week, it's top three favorite racing games of all time. Yes. Brought to you by Jared Riley. It's Jared's idea, and when he Good when, job, I, Jared. when I saw Good it, I was job. like, oh, okay, that meh, sure we'll do it. Yeah, but then, I was thinking that I would have trouble finding my top three, but. Yeah. No. <laughs> Holy crap, there's a lot of racing games that I liked. Yeah, I mean, immediately like eight of them came to mind. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You all finally realized my wisdom. I feel like I'm like some like 45-year-old guy with like four kids who just wakes up one day next to my wife and goes, holy shit, I've been gay this whole this whole time. <laughs> I've, I've thought, I've like banged like 10 dudes. Except just you woke up and you're like, years holy and shit, be there. I've loved racing games. Yeah. I need to go buy some fucking racing games right, right now. Oh my gosh, I played a lot of racing games and I like them. Because <laughs> <laughs> this was a hard list. Oh, that was really weird analogy. You'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> 
because you're actually gay. Like that's the reason it was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, okay. I think that the reason that I, I couldn't think of any right off the bat is because all of my favorite racing games are like 10 years old. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're right. actually, you're right. We're kind of in living in the uh, Grand uh, Turismo. Exactly. Everyone got too generation. serious and yeah. hyper-realistic about it. Yeah, the only one that still does it right to me is uh, Burnout, the Burnout series. Oh, Burnout is pretty fun. Yeah. Because it it's like the only racing game that really encourages the violence, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's actually get into the list. So, Alex, you start. Okie dokie. So, number three for me is Mario Kart Double Dash. Like, specifically Double Dash. I have clocked more time in that game than any other racing game. Is that the GameCube one? That's yeah. That's like my least favorite Mario Kart. One. That one was not very well received, was it? I have no idea, no. and I don't give a shit. It was all... <laughs> it, there was just something fantastic about the the sort of team chemistry yeah <laughs> like um and choosing your favorite little characters and like their different sizes and things like that and you have to keep in mind like oh if i choose a medium character and a small character then i'll only have the medium cars available to me yeah. and then you have to think about like the key items for each of those characters so you have to pair up the two characters that had like corresponding special items yeah like that game had a lot going for it i thought it had some really shitty maps it had shitty maps it had shitty items much of the time but um well plus any strategy you're calculating in your head about picking the right characters and blah 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 doesn't matter because it's a mario kart game so rubber banding <laughs> rubber <Yeah>. banding. <laughs> exactly but it did make it more interesting at the yeah. time so double dash is my number three you know I, I remember enjoying that game so I, I don't remember anything bad about it yeah, yeah. i didn't like it all right well, so, well fuck, fuck you, you jared <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually my least favorite was the snes one I never played the SNES one. Oh, Jesus, you're just a baby. You're just a oh. child. Just a little child. <laughs> Grew up on that game. All right, what's your next one? Um, number two is Lego Racers for N64. That game was ridiculously fucking fun. Yeah. Cool. Um, it was, it was seriously. I think all the appeal for me at the time was just that you could build your own race car. That's cool. So I had this massive gallery of race cars, and the stability of your car actually, like. Maybe this is just in my imagination. Maybe eight-year-old me imagined that the way that you built your car like affected the way that you drove it. But it seemed at the time that I was playing it, like the way that you built your car affected how it drove. Like right. I built this giant block of a car that it was made all with gray blocks and it had two slits in the top because I thought it'd be fucking hilarious to drive around in a toaster. And um, the it's toaster- pretty hilarious. You're right. Eight-year-old yeah. you was right. Little Funny. tiny me was right. Yeah. The toaster drove fucking horribly. But then I made this sleek little tiny racing car and it looked like a little go-kart and that drove just fine. It was a really fun game. It was <laughs> cool. great like seeing your stupid cousins like make dick cars, made toaster cars, made dog cars and cat cars. Like it's good stuff. You know, I'm not familiar with that game, but that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. 64 era. You're just excited for the dick cars. Yeah. I just wanted like <laughs> dick dick racing forever. <laughs> Lego dick racing for Nintendo 64. <laughs> The first game on my list is uh, Snowboard Kids. Did you guys ever play that? No. No. Oh, so what system fun. was this? Um, it was also N64. All right. It was just like a tiny cast of really colorful, low-poly characters that had really stupid voice acting, and it was just like a really typical snowboard game, except it also had these kind of item boxes. Like, think um, Mario Kart, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you run into the question mark boxes, you get items. You did kind of a similar thing in Snowboard Kids, so you could pick up random stuff. Oh. But at the time, it was just 
a really fucking solid racing game, and the items added a nice little element to it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jared. Jared. Jared's um, turn. Okay. Jared's time to shine. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna go with a little Sega Genesis Road Rash. That was a good game. Oh yeah, the Road Rash series, early Road Rash series, was super solid. You steal a police baton from like a police. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot. From a police bike, and you can just hit people with it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was the chain. Actually, the chain was pretty legit. Yeah. How'd you was, get the chain? Uh, probably stole it from another like biker gangster guy. Probably I forget how you got the weapons in that game. You had to steal them from other people, right? Yeah, you had to punch other people and steal them. Yeah. Nice. Did, did you ever play that, Alex? Road Rash. No, I was too baby. Yeah, <laughs> you're just a. You're just a it's baby. baby. It was cool. You uh, you had to upgrade your engine and stuff, and you lose stability if you were too powerful. And yeah, it's it pretty solid game. Okay, next up, I am going with what was it? Oh yeah, Pod Racer. Of course. Oh, of course. Yep, of course. called that one. Yeah. I mean, how could I not? I think I've mentioned Pod Racer on this podcast before. Well, a while ago, we talked about how you had just been playing it like fucking crazy after you rebought it. Yeah. No, I rebought it. And then he played it. <laughs> oh, okay. He came over and played it for like two hours. <laughs> I can never get tired of playing Pod Racer, guys. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to really like think on. You have to think really quickly uh, with all those turns and stuff because the fog is just so shallow. <laughs> oh yeah. It was a little better than the Dreamcast version. I felt like a little bit, but it was just an N64 port still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that game is nice because it rewards you for getting better. Like like getting better at the game, you can notice yourself. You know, yeah. doing better over time. It's one mm-hmm. of those games. That was probably my favorite racer game of all time, actually. That nice. was really close to making it to the list. Yeah. It's crazy good. Finally, Dick I'm going... Dick Legos beat it out. Dick Legos beat it. <laughs> you know, the only game I've ever made Dick characters out of was Spore. Oh, everyone made Dick characters in Spore. Yeah, it was like, it was it was like, like mandatory. A, yeah, it's hilarious to have, like, dicks hopping around. I never did that myself. <laughs> I've never been obsessed with dicks like the internet is for some reason. <laughs> Everybody's obsessed with dicks and making dicks out of stuff. I just yeah, never... but Spore is a special case. You have to make a dick character. <laughs> well, anyways, my last game I'm going with is N64 Cruising the World. Cruising World. Cruising! So not like the arcade? <laughs> Cruising the World! It, it, the N64 version is yeah! just an arcade port. Is that so, the actual theme song? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Originally sung by Jared. Yeah. Uh, N64 version. Okay. I think it was a port from an arcade game, but, yeah. you know. I played it on the 64. What was special about it? Nothing in particular. It's the most generic <laughs> racer. It was so generic. And you just, you just choose really, a car really liked and just, it. This is a theme song. Like anybody who walked into an arcade in like the 90s or early 2000s knows has seen a cruising game. They're yeah. just solid racer games. I mean, I'd say they're pretty generic. and I don't know. I think meh. they're pretty solid. I think they're fun. And right. that theme you song, like the song, man. You just fucking that love song. that song. Yeah. I can tell. Well, it's still stuck with me to this day, guys. So okay. That's fine. I'm going to take over now. Uh, I thought of like three more racers while we were just having this discussion. That's how much I love racers. Uh-oh. I didn't even know myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll stick with my list, though. Uh, number one, uh, this is in no particular order, San Francisco Rush. Rush. That's a good game. Yeah. I don't think I played that one either. N64. Well, God damn it, Alex. I think it was an arcade game that in the N64 game was a port, but it's like an open world like racer and there's so much hidden stuff. And like one of the maps, if you drove around enough, you could eventually find like this giant cavern full of loops and crazy shit. Like, oh, cool. It was so fun. Um, and it had good co-op or, or good uh, split screen. Um, so 
That is a solid ass game. Uh, also on 64, I went ahead and picked uh, Wave Race 64. Wave Race is pretty fun. Cool. Because I spent a lot of time with that game, and I spent a lot of time mastering the mechanics and the different different uh, jet skiers and stuff. So yeah, the mechanics really set it aside, like the physics of driving through water. Yeah, the water. I mean, for the time, the water physics and stuff were just crazy. I mean, you wouldn't know because you were like two years old. But. Hey, no, no, no. N64, that was my childhood. That now we're your... finally getting to the time where I wasn't like a thought in my mom's head or something. Gotcha. Like... Okay. You were never a thought in your mom's head. You were a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was the only intentional one. I get to hold that above like all seven of my Really? Things. Yes. Well, it's because after they had you, like, fuck, no more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to say this, Alex, but it is totally that to make you feel better. Yeah. No. If I tell all your siblings that, all your siblings think they're the only intentional oh, one. Oh, yeah. the whole world is falling down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, and finally, uh, because I used to always play this game uh, when I saw it in an arcade or like a pizza shop or whatever back in the day, Off-Road Arcade. This is the uh, isometric game with like the three cars, the red, yellow, and blue, the steering wheels. Nice. Uh, you know, where you kind of drive around that little track. It's, just, it's like a static screen. You drive around the track. You get power-ups, like get fuel and boosts and stuff, and upgrade your car between rounds. Super fun game back in the day. It's an old one. Very old, but it's a goodie. So that, that's... Older than us, probably. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> You're like, world is world is not older than dirt. Us. Fossils, so. really. No, that's, a, that's a 90s game, dude. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Man, uh, y'all are dinosaurs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so I was born in the 90s. That's my list. But talking about all these N64 games, I'm just going to bring up this to talk about. You play uh, Diddy Kong Racing? Oh, yeah. Diddy Kong Racing is actually on my list, and I scratched it out to make room for other stuff. Like, there was a ton of stuff on here, but Diddy yeah. Kong Racing was so fun. Yeah. I loved that uh, the versus mode where you have to carry on the dinosaur eggs. Yes. Yeah. There were t two games that I played a shit ton of with my family, with my dad and my brother and my sister on N64. Four-player Mario Kart battle mode, which, which was amazing, Mario Kart mm -hmm. 64. And then the dino egg game on Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> I used to play that all the time. The dino egg game was like the whole reason you had Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> okay. Well, on to our next segment. This week. Uh, so I found this uh, link to this blog post because on all the major news sites for some reason. I'll get into that in a second. And uh, I sent it to Jared and Alex and said, hey, just read this. I want to talk about it. Didn't give you guys any sort of cues about what my thoughts were or anything. Yep, yep. So, and I think... I didn't read shit. <laughs> you seriously didn't read it? didn't read it? Jared? No. God damn it. Jesus. So... Don't tell me what to do. But I'm assuming, just because we talked about it briefly before the podcast, <laughs> that Alex is on the same page as I am. So so here's a story. There's this game called Sunset. It was made by this developer called Tale of Tales, which is German. Oh. Belgian? Belgian. Belgian. Same thing. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Team of two. Team of two. Yeah. And they're a gaming studio, apparently, because they're a team of two. Yes. Okay. And anyway, they made this game called Sunset. It was funded by Kickstarter. And it's like one of these like story games where you it's probably, I don't know, probably only a few hours long. And like you're a housekeeper during some sort of revolution. Mm -hmm. You walk around doing house chores and you watch like the revolution from the window. And yeah. Like one of those games. There's like a civil war occurring outside. Yeah. And I don't know like what 
okay, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say like the entire plot because it's like two hours long and the plot has been out there on the internet since the release pretty much. Yeah. Um, So like you don't really know who you are in the beginning, you know, that you're a housekeeper and that's pretty much it. But eventually you find out that um, your brother is a part of the revolution that's occurring outside. Yeah. He's like one of the rebel leaders. Okay. And the guy that you're working for, the guy whose house you're cleaning, has like top secret documents from oh, the government. And you're trying to get that pertain to the revolution. So it's kind of like there are like these moral dilemmas where the character is wondering like whether they should even be reading through this guy's personal effects. And like obviously you're kind of goaded into it. Yeah. Um, and then whether you're going to tattle on this guy to your brother or not. Gotcha. Uh, and it's all so. stylistic and yeah, it's like super like colorful, low poly, like yeah. very much so like in style these days. Yeah, this is like as indie as it gets, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. So anyway, the story is that Tale of Tales, Tales Tale of, of Tales, Tale of Tales, stupid fucking name. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, posted a blog post and it said it was the title was "And the Sunsets," so basically announcing that they're no longer making commercial games because their game Sunset was a commercial failure. So this got posted over every major gaming site. Uh, this blog post is about as indie as it gets, too. Mm-hmm. Before <laughs> uh, we get into the blog okay. post, just to give like a little bit of background for people who aren't familiar with Tale of Tales, yeah. a big part of why this is like making such a splash is because Tale of Tales is a really influential developer in the industry. And that's like really? the only reason it's getting as much buzz that it, as it is. I was wondering about that. Why the hell is this getting buzz? Yeah, because a lot of people will be like, who the fuck cares? Game studios shut down all the time mm-hmm. for not having a great commercial release. But Tale of Tales is actually a huge inspiration just in like the indie developer community, which really? is why it's getting so many posts. But anyways, continue. Okay, that, that makes more sense to me. because I was so confused about why all these sites were covering it, these two guys. Because basically what they said is this game Sunset, between Kickstarter and Steam, sold 4,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Which, let me tell you, is nothing. No. <laughs> nothing. Especially considering how much money they pulled out on it. Like, whew. Yeah, like 150000 and Yeah, but then like an additional 40000 near the tail end. And... Yeah, like a lot of money. And to put it in perspective, I developed my game for $0 and sold, you know, at least 30000 40000 copies easy on Steam. Mm-hmm. I mean, without marketing anything, you know, that's how weirdly bad this game did. <laughs> yep. Hasn't it only been out for like four months? Four months? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But you, I mean, you but sell yeah, a lot of copies. The big sales are in the initial release, right? Yeah. So. And the initial release and during Steam sales, but yes. Yeah. Oh, also worth note is that of those 4,000 copies, a huge portion of those were just from the Kickstarter backers okay. too. Yeah. So it's not even just like 4,000 entirely independent sales on Steam. It's 4,000 including the Kickstarters, including the summer sale, right. including regular sale on Steam. Okay. So. Okay, so let's kind of get to uh, what I want to talk about here. I guess basically this blog post saying, oh, we've always teetered on the edge of sustainability, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're all about the art. And this one game, people convinced them to make a commercial game and and put all these bad ideas in their head, essentially is the gist of what they said in one (laughs) section of this blog post. They talk about how before, the way they funded their games was uh, grants from the government. Like artistic grants. Artistic grants. And, you know, I I didn't realize until a couple years ago this was a thing that other governments do. Like, like Canada does it. It's artistic grants to do just random shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Which is just 
It's weird to me. Weird but... to me. Politically, I, mean... I don't like the idea of it at all, <laughs> based on my on my you know personal beliefs. The U.S. does it by and large as well. It's do just they? a little bit. It's just a little weirder because like they do artistic grants for like college students. You know. Okay. Huh. They'll support so... artists by like paying for an art student's education. It's almost like the same thing. What? Uh, no. Because is there any sort of thing where they'll basically give you? I don't know. I'll just pull out a number. I don't even know what the numbers would might be. Fifty thousand dollars to make a game. Not to make a game. Because that's like a living wage for you know a year. Or yeah. What whatever to, you know. For... It, I was just saying like it doesn't do it to that extent, but we do do something. Okay, so the, uh, but a lot of other countries do do it to that extent. Yeah. Like a lot of people, I people especially because I'm in the uh, film industry, I know people who basically they make their living on doing government grants. I mean that's like they are they're professionals who just make their living off these artistic grants. So basically, these guys are making games for the art and blah, 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 that they weren't about trying to make money commercially, and then they failed. They said, our desire to reach a wider audience with this game was not motivated by a need for money, but by a feeling of moral obligation. They feel morally obligated yeah. to create video games for people. They're morally obligated to share their art that's funded by the taxpayers of their country and mm -hmm. not by people who are interested in it. Sounds very altruistic to me. Yeah. Yeah, they're very altruistic individuals. I'm sure that's the only thing that fuels their artistic passion. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like I said, I cannot convey how fucking indie this fucking blog post is and the game, yeah. but I'll, I'll link it obviously from the. I'm going to buy it. You're going to buy it. Yeah. It's 20 bucks. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like hell <laughs> you will. South American housemaid. Um, is there actual gameplay or is it like a, one of those story games? It's a story game. Story game. It they, sounds kind of like um. There's like this like dollar game on Steam called like Dinner Late Dinner Party or something like that. I played through that. That was like a 30 minute story game. Yeah. Yep. But now it's twenty dollars. Maybe they should have a different price point, like five. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I sold two thousand copies of Nostalgia at five dollars this past week. Nice. Two thousand copies. People sold four thousand. How do you sell four thousand copies of a game? You should make a game that nobody fucking wants because you're too used to getting grant funding where you don't have to worry about making a product that anybody cares about. They seriously, they just admitted that they don't know how to make, they didn't know how to make a proper game for gamers. So that's, that's, well, that yeah, quote, that, that's what they say. We are happy and proud that we have tried to make a game for gamers, quotes. In order to make the game for gamers, they had to bring in all these experts and do all this research. And yeah. it's, it just makes you think of, <laughs> they're just like awkwardly like, entirely set aside from actual gamers and they're yeah. like studying us like aliens right yeah <laughs> it's there's up on their little like indie fucking mountain they're just looking like looking down at, like worms in the mud yeah. <laughs> like, like oh let's go down from the mountain and try to mingle for a while and, with the no. peasants yeah so uh that's the gist of this blog post and i guess i wanted to talk about it because this whole indie thing where games are for the art and blah, blah, blah. It's just the, it's the same thing as a damn indie music or indie film scene. It's so freaking obnoxious. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this freaking indie cultures. I hate it so much. I don't think that indie culture in itself is obnoxious, but these guys are total twats. But, 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 like, <laughs> I love that word. It's just, they're the fucking worst. Yeah. Every, like, the, their entire blog post was so cringy. They sounded, like, so entitled. Like, yeah, exactly. We are, they were like, we are doing this amazing thing for you. Why can't you appreciate it? Ah, yeah. we're doing this for you. I'm like, you're not doing it for anybody but your fucking selves. Yeah. Don't even try to kid yourself for like two seconds. They had this huge laundry list. They're like, we gave you like a basic controls and we studied like a three point plot and like they <laughs> right. listed off like all this stupid like college 
entry level bullshit. Yeah, if you like buy like a book off to... of Amazon to figure out how to structure a plot, that's a bad <laughs> exactly. sign. Exactly. Like they took their first like creative writing 101 class to make this game. Yeah. Which really shows in the game with how shitty the writing is. We can get to that a little bit later. Have you played like, this game? Huh? Have you played this game? I watched a lot of the gameplay. Okay, you <laughs> after did. Good. Reading okay. This. Gotcha. But um oh my god, there's just there was just so Wait, so they have rising action and a climax and falling action? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, that is amazing. And like React structure. <laughs> and apparently, despite having done all this research, they couldn't even get the bare basics of controls down. Like <laughs> really? if you've played it like more than like three video games, you yeah. tend to know that like, oh, start pulls up this menu. Yes. Back button might pull up a different menu or inventory. That's usually what's reserved for, something like that. Um, like A is jump, like X is reload, and things change it up a little bit, but there's a general layout to everything. There's an established right? kind of standard. Exactly. Setup, they don't yeah. even understand that. They, really? They, they, you, you couldn't pull up the menu with the start button. People had like shitty control issues. Oh, like, boy. They did all this research and they didn't know to make the start menu pull up with the fucking start button. And apparently they had all this money, like, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this game. Um, which I'm sure most went to living expenses and probably art assets. But I'll be honest, I'm starting to reconsider buying it after <laughs> hearing all this. <laughs> they apparently spent more money on marketing the game than they did developing it. Which is ridiculous, because I've never fucking heard of this game until yeah. this shitty blog post. So I don't know who they, they gave their money to, but somebody ran off with a check. And Hey, Ben, how much money did you spend marketing nostalgia? I think that one time I tried doing Facebook ads and I spent 75 bucks. Oh, and I was like, oh, this isn't really worth it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So then I just sent out press releases and said that seemed to work pretty well. I feel like they just, they hired shittily like-minded individuals yeah. to do their marketing and to help them build the game when what they should have done in order, to, they should have brought in like fresh blood that knew how to. They do. were probably people uh, living off of marketing grants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have marketing grants for these marketing people so they don't ever actually have to learn how to market. They it's just, just be like, a marketer, not actually learn. <laughs> they wanted to bring in like a third party to help develop this game to make it a, the game for gamers, yeah. to make it appeal to gamers. But they instead of hiring like a critically acclaimed game developer, they hired a game journalist, a game journalist that had like a very similar sort of mindset and set of goals as them. So instead yeah. of like diversifying their team, right. they just ended up paying for like this weird circle jerk. Yep. You know what serious gamers kind of like? What gameplay. There is a place for these games, and there, there, there's an audience for these games. Exactly. Like, they keep on, they were bitching and moaning about how consumers just, like, don't appreciate art in video games, which is entirely not true because there's a massive fan base for stuff like this. Yeah. Like, you look at... Huge fan base. Gone Home, Dear Esther, Vanishing of Ethan Carter, Flower, Journey, like, the list yep. fucking goes on. Yep. And... I even so, play those Japanese visual novels and stuff. I mean, exactly. Or like fucking Proteus. Proteus was just like wandering around a low poly environment that was randomly generated. That was like it. And that was a commercial success, which makes like, why aren't these people sitting down and wondering, maybe our game was just shitty, guys. Yeah. Right. Like, ugh. the thing so, that I found most obnoxious about the game was that they're ridiculously hippy-dippy anti-capitalistic mentality oh, gee, was violently funneled <laughs> into this game. Like, okay, you're a fucking housekeeper. You just want to get in, do your job, get out. Yeah. If 
And I have been a housekeeper in real life in the two million jobs that I've held down. And you don't think about too much during the job. You're sitting there and you're just like, I wonder what's on Netflix right now. Like, how's that new show doing? I wish I could play my game when I get home. Like, (laughs) oh, God, I really want a fucking cookie. And that's pretty much like what you do when you're cleaning. But this housekeeper (laughs) in this game, she's cleaning and she's like, "Mm, anti-disestablishmentarianism. The capitalistic devils. Mm, this painting is kind of ugly, but at least it's not trying to sell me something. Yeah. Like they are just like shoving their viewpoints onto people. They're like, we're just too deep for all of you. But everything that they're emphasizing in this game, it's like philosophy for 10 year olds. Yeah. It's just so demeaning. Yeah. I believe it. That, you know, usually the people who are most into the indie thing are the ones who are the most just out of touch with reality. <laughs> ten-year-old philosophers? Yeah, ten-year-old philosophers, <laughs> exactly. Wow, Alex, you, uh, you have a lot better points in this than I do. I was just kind of generally angry about it. Well, <laughs> I just... you're, you're very articulate. You have very good uh, uh, <laughs> points to bring up. Well, I just got really peeved by it because I actually, there's this really dumb term that was coined by them called not games. Uh, it's basically it's a way to explain like video games that don't really have like a point system or yeah. any sort of like competitive element. And I have a lot to bitch about with, just with the term not games. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm a like I play a lot of these games that right. people refer to as not games. Yeah. In fact, I played a game by this studio without knowing that it was the same studio. Oh, okay. So after I read this blog post, I wanted to do like a little background check on this studio. So I went and read up on their past games. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I used to play Endless Forest. Have you guys ever heard of that? I've heard the name, oh. yeah. So it's like an MMO of theirs where you're just a deer with like a weird human face and you have like a symbol for a name and there's no real point to it. It's just like a beautiful environment, not really nice graphics, and then you just wander around and interact with other players wordlessly. Like there's a bunch of different emotes and actions that you can do and like there's like random shit strewn throughout the game, but there's no real point to anything. It's just like... um, Sounds like the kind of game that was available when like AOL first came out on like 36K modems. Uh, 28.6k <laughs> modems where you just would go into a chat room and have little emoticons and exactly, wander like around the environment. Much, yeah, Pretty much that. Except like I always thought that it was kind of an interesting gameplay element to have multiplayer but without any means of communication through text. Yeah. Which is why I also like Journey. Yeah, I played Endless Forest and I thought it was actually fun for like the like hour and a half that I dinked around on it and I was like, okay, good job guys. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. But um, it really disheartens me that in real life there's such dillweeds yeah it's you know they obviously are against capitalism and i'm I'm not like the most pro-capitalist person in the whole world i'm just saying they're obviously against capitalism because they can't survive in a capitalist system because they're not equipped to yeah you know they just hate it because they can't fucking deal yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i mean what are they going to do if they can't get these grants and they can't you know do this and that uh they're just Oh, they're so they're so very bitter. We have some bitter, bitter quotes to read from them. Yeah. Oh, let's have you read the quotes. I'm going to read the last line of the article before we go into your quotes, just to finish with their blog post. It says, because <laughs> this is really good, creativity still burns wildly in our hearts, but we don't think that we will be making video games after this. And if we do, definitely not commercial ones. Uh, okay, Alex, what do you got? You have some stuff you want to talk about that they've said. So... Uh- <laughs> Their Twitter account has been um, producing some kind of, it looks like actually insane stuff lately. Like 
Like they're generally like mentally unstable. Related to this the- article or just in general lately? In general, because of the studio closing. Down. Okay. All right. So so this is post article or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like we're around the same time as the article. Gotcha. Okay. So these are their Twitter, their little Twitter tweets. Fuck games. Fuck gamers. Fuck the game industry. Die, 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 and rot in hell. Holy shit. Really? May you die in the same agony that you caused to thousands of defenseless virtual creatures. (laughs) What? We don't need commercial failure to know capitalism is evil, right? Because it is evil. And if you think that's cool, then you are evil too. And this is like, this just reminded me of like very Jaden Smith. Money is not evil like guns are not evil. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. The whole money is evil thing. There you go. That's a nice quote from third grade. Yeah. Some like somebody had just popped into their like respond to one of their tweets. They're like, money isn't the root of all evil, guys. And they're like, oh yeah, money isn't evil like guns aren't evil. Oh my god. Stupid. It was just like, oh man. The vitriol, just like the die, die, die. May you die in the same agony. Like, what the fuck? That's weird. It's like when you see a guy ask a girl out oh. and she really politely says, no, no, thank you. And you're like, well, fuck you, you bitch slut. You're probably just a whore anyways. Yep. And then they stomp away. Yep. Like they're so butthurt. There is a way to like gracefully dip out. That's a really good season. analogy. That's way better than my analogy I tried to make with a 45-year-old gay man earlier. In the but you're right, because that's the kind of reaction I would associate with somebody who was a gamer, actually. Exactly. That... They're just like so immature that they yeah. think that the best way to save face is to pretend like they didn't care about you in the first place. Right. But obviously they cared about you because they tried to sell you their game yeah. because they tried to ask you out. And, like... <laughs> right. And the thing is, I would never make fun of somebody for um, you know trying this, trying to sell a game commercially and failing at it. Just that in and of itself, because, you know, it's not easy. It's not like, it's, you know, everybody does it or everybody can do it. My next game might be a total flop. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I know I can do what I can do and and uh, hopefully it'll all work out. But it's the whole like butthurt over it and blaming everybody else for a thing is mm-hmm. why we're talking about this. Yeah. So. It's like if they had released this game and it was a commercial failure and they were like, sorry, guys, I'm going out of business. Take care, yeah. though. People like me might have been like, Maybe I'll go buy Sunset. It yep. might not be that good a game, but hey, I like what these guys are trying. Maybe they'll produce more stuff if I buy their game. And frankly, but- you know, try, trying and failing, this is, this is a cliche, but really it's true. You know, trying and failing is something you learn a lot more than if you try and succeed. Exactly. There's you no know? shame in trying and failing. No, not at all. Not at all. I think they're right. I'm, <laughs> real, I'm, I'm feeling like a real piece of shit now for caring so much about money and stuff. I just... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know what? Money is evil, just like guns are evil. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. really rethinking my life here. I'm. I don't know what to do. You sh- are you gonna go die in the same agony that you caused thousands of defenseless virtual creatures? Maybe. So was that supposed to be some sort of <laughs> joke? Or are they actually mad that you're killing like boars in World of Warcraft? They were no. They were like very serious about it, but they don't mean like killing boars in World of Warcraft. They're like, we had all these hypothetical game characters, and oh. you killed them. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> wow, that's even worse. Yeah. Jesus. They are really like up to our asses. a beautiful dream and you ruined it. All these games in development, fuck these games. So, so the moral of the story is these guys are douchebags and uh, just, I don't know what, what we're trying to say. Don't we, be a dick lead. 
yeah. don't be a weed that grows out of a dick. Like if your game fails, <laughs> fail gracefully. Game developers get a lot of hate. So hating on a game developer is an easy thing and common thing to do. But this is not that. This is hating on some douchebags for being douchebags. Yeah. Nothing to do with really game development. And just like, fuck art snobs. Yep. Fuck them with like fucking rakes. Yep. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, I really hate the section of the indie game player base community, which is all like, oh, it's about the art and we just want to support this game and blah, blah, blah. But the minute they catch a whiff that somebody wants to have some commercial success or wants to make money off of their work, then the, those indie game players turn on them. You know, yep. all of a sudden, if you're not in it for some sort of, you know, altruistic reason. Mm -hmm. If you're not poor and like literally starving and going out yeah. of business to pursue your passion, that's not real art. Well, not, not even that. It's, it's, it's just fuck you then. Okay, you're greedy. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Yep. So I hate that whole side of the community. Uh, nope, it's gross. It's gross. Alex has to go and move. I have to learn how to drive stick shift. Oh, that's right. Guys. You have to go practice <laughs> stick shift. I actually took like a little window marker and wrote on my windows like, I'm learning stick and I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want anybody to be like, what the fuck is this chick's problem? And then they would read the window and be like, oh, at least she said sorry. <laughs> uh, you know that's that's actually pretty legit. That's not that's not bad. I I probably would not swear at you if I was yeah. behind you. Then also, I, I still can't get the hang of like stopping my car from rolling back when I'm starting on a hill. Yeah. So I don't want anybody riding my ass because I might right. actually bump into them. No, that that I <laughs> so remember if, that fear when I was learning stick. Yeah, yeah. If they read that on my windows, they'll be like, "We'll give her like a twenty foot berth." And plus, as we covered a couple months ago, you're just a terrible driver in general because exactly. of your gender and race and everything just, just mixed together. Yeah, it might yeah. just never happen for me. <laughs> this whole driving thing. <laughs> Okay, that's it. Uh, I'd just like to remind you, our podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher and all the usual places. So, uh, yeah, go out and find it if you're so inclined. <laughs> what? <laughs> I it's just like a, <laughs> a lot of a lot of like um, companies or podcasts will just be like, subscribe now, buy this, yeah. do this, and you're like, well, I mean, if you guys are so inclined, I mean, like, you don't have to. Do I can't bring myself or... to do that. I fucking hate it. I, I know, and I appreciate that about you. Good. I'm glad. Cause I appreciate about myself too. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. Be, hey, go subscribe and uh, click click the like button. And blah, 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 blah. Fuck that. Ugh. <laughs> Hate it. Obviously, if I like your shit, I'm gonna click the like button. If I want to watch more, I'll click the goddamn subscribe <laughs> button. You don't need to tell me. I know how to do it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we're done. Goodbye. Uh, you're still like, uh, like Richard's outfit was provided today by J.C. Penney's clearance rack. <laughs> <laughs> JC Pennies, if you're Jared and you need things on your body. <laughs> uh.